USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. This show is brought to you by Mimico. Mimico are makers of pop culture infused mobile accessories. Mimo Power backup batteries let you charge with characters from Star Wars, Marvel, and other fandom centric brands. Visit www.mimico.com and use listener code WeBeGeeks15 to take 15% off your entire order. This is Michael Cho, artist and illustrator, and you're listening to Mighty Marvel Geeks. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes dance. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am group. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, we can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another episode of Mighty Marvel Geeks. Actually, another issue, as I get confused. Uh, Yeah, remember, we have issues. We have issues. Uh, We have issues. Mighty Marvel Geeks side of things, it's a duo once again, because... Kylan's on vacation, but for that, it is Eric and Mike, and like I said, Kylan's on vacation, um, involved in being an extra on Comic Book Nim- comic book Men, wearing a Mighty Marvel Geeks t-shirt. Was that not awesome? That picture was great. We need to get that on the Facebook page. We do. We do. So, I, I will contact his wife, Dawn, about that. So, if it makes it onto the show, it'll be as seen on TV. <laughs> so, you're going t-shirts? Check out yes. t- check out tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash. Is it forward slash or backslash? Forward slash. Forward slash. User forward slash WBG Mike. And you'll find t-shirts for Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks, and Wookie Radio. But it's not just T-shirts, cell phone cases, um, laptop sleeves, tablet sleeves, mugs, uh, sweatshirts, women's shirts, baseball jerseys, etc. You can link everybody in the show notes on the on the WeBeGeeks.net yeah, yeah. page, right? Um, yep, we'll do that. So there you go. So so those of you who are furiously writing it down and trying to figure out the difference between a forward slash and a backslash, chill. <laughs> you don't have to write it down. Well, speaking of chill. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're we're, we're going to go right into this. I, I know Jeff had his rant over on DW60. and On Sorcerer okay. Radio, by the way. On Sorcerer Radio. You're listening, if you're listening to the podcast version of this show, of course, if you're listening to it on Sorcerer Radio Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, well, you already know who Jeff is. Right. 
Uh, Jeff's one of the great DJs over on Sorcerer Radio, and he had a rant talking about uh, what was it, the the videos and some family getting dinged yeah. for it at Disney. A a family was uh, live streaming uh, their day at the one of the Disney parks, and uh, they were told by a security guard to uh, to stop, which. Uh, they were. They said you're not allowed to do that. Okay, and turns out guest relations at the park also said, "Hey, you're not supposed to do that." Turns out Disney Legal, who would theoretically trump both of those, said, "Yes, you can do it, just not for commercial purposes." Right, and. Jeff's rant was more along the lines of the need for better training and better clarification uh, amongst the cast members that interact with the public. Um, Again, that would be more of a security and guest relations issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Not someone like myself. Unless you're trying to go backstage and film things, then, uh, yeah, I could stop you. I will tell you no, and that it's illegal. But if Disney legal steps in, then, yeah. I mean, their, their law, their law. And now this will become a training point for guest relations and for security because it has become an issue. No, it's sort of like um, when you know if we decided we were going to try and do Mighty Marvel Geeks from inside Disneyland, and I break out a microphone for us to record with, we're going to get dinged because it quote unquote looks like we're doing it for commercial use, and we don't have permits or anything to do it. Day of the cell phone. Well, our rant's a little different though. Um, and really, the, it go ahead. I was going to say, from the distinguished competition, Suicide Squad is coming out. It comes out this weekend, as you're, you know, it's been released this weekend as you're hearing the show. The critics panned it hard. Hang on, I need I need to pull up the website in question and just see what they currently have it as. Um, the, I mean, was it uh, Ebert from Cisco and Ebert had said that he would always criticize a superhero comic book movie hard because he doesn't he, like them. He doesn't like them. Okay. Well, we're technically reviewers, so to speak. I'm going to pan Twilight super hard because I don't like it. All right, but let's 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 just get to the nub of the matter here. Okay, Suicide Squad on the aggregator site RottenTomatoes.com has a twenty-six percent rating. Now that's critics, correct? That is critics. Now, what an aggregator site is? An aggregator site does not produce its own reviews. So much as it compiles reviews from others. Right. Okay. Keep this in mind. It is compiling reviews from others. 
Now, apparently, there are some fanboys that don't like the fact that uh, Rotten Tomatoes is, quote-unquote, unjustly criticizing DC movies. So what do they do? Well, they do what pretty much every disgruntled fanboy does in this modern age. I don't like something, so I'm creating an online petition. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. There is an online petition on change.org saying... update to that. There was. It got taken down. No, it's back. Uh There's an update to the update. update. I I checked this very evening. That says that the petition calls to have Rotten Tomatoes shut down. Let this sink in, folks. It has over 20,000 signatures. Shut down a site that's not doing anything other than collecting the reviews of others. And and putting numbers to those reviews. Okay. Now... just by comparison, some other that are that are out right now, uh, Jason Bourne, fifty-seven percent; uh, Star Trek Beyond, eighty-four percent; The Secret Life of Pets, seventy-five percent; uh, Ghostbusters, seventy-three percent; The Legend of Tarzan, thirty-five percent; Suicide Squad, right now, has twenty-six percent. It's gone down from last I saw. Last I saw okay. it was like thirty-something percent. Okay. okay. To me, the fanboys are going, oh, the critics are being harsh on DC films. Okay. Well, Chuckles, did you ever think maybe you should petition Warner Brothers to make less crappy DC movies? Yeah. Name the last good DC film. You're going to laugh at me when I say this, but I actually like The Watchmen. Uh, it was okay. Okay. All right. The Watchmen, though, the Watchmen, though, and this, I'm sure, is what got Zack Snyder, you know, buku attention at DC. Zack Snyder is a wonderful director of superhero movies, provided you don't like superheroes. Right. And are, and are not trying to make them in any way likable. And if you're and willing the- to let him make them... And piss off the original creator. <laughs> well, Alan Moore, you can't please Alan Moore. This is true. The, 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 the very act of making a movie based on one of his works is more than enough. Yeah. I was fine, I was fine with Watchmen up until the end. I didn't, well, I didn't like the changed ending. I, I did not like the changed ending either. I understand... What I would perceive the logic being in changing that ending, right? It made it it made it a weaker overall story, but it was one easier to tell in a movie that's only two hours long, right? I think if this would be redone now, it'd be a part one, part two. Oh yeah, so oh, yeah. But we're kind of getting off the track here. Well, to me, the last good DC movie. Um, it's a, oh shoot! It's the dark. Uh, not Batman the Begins. Dark the yeah, Dark Knight. Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. Yeah. yeah, I see. I liked Batman Begins for that matter. But the Dark Knight came after. I said yes. The, the last good. Okay. I, I understand that. I understand Dark Knight that. Rises. Oh my God! What a horrible piece of. I understand that. I understand that. 
Man of Steel was good, but I was still I would not consider it the best DC film recently. Okay. The, here's the thing. There are some people out there who love that style. It's kind of like, oh, well, let's make everything super gritty and edgy and be dark and, and and devoid of any kind of vibrant color because, hey, we're out of elementary school right now. We're too cool for that. Yeah. Now, I have- uh, so I understand that. But at the same time, you're making movies. This is This is where the Marvel's approach has differed from DC's and has worked better. DC has been trying to make comic book movies. Marvel makes action movies or superhero movies. Well, they make movies using characters who originated in comics. Right. Now, have you seen Batman versus Superman? Um, I haven't had two hours to waste and money to match. Oh, it's more than two hours. I, it's then almost I, three. And I'm going to tell you. I I haven't finished it yet, and I'm not impressed. Calling it like I have, Batman, Heart, Superman, the flop of justice, I'm not far off. I mean, I'm... One, I got thrown another Batman origin story, which didn't need to be told. Could just I mean, yeah, they did it as a flashback. And touched on it, but still, we didn't need it. It's Batman in the future. That's what we needed. Um, it's this is why Warner Brothers has made Jeff Johns, who is head of DC Comics, now head of DC Entertainment on the film side. And this was all done very, very on the sly side. Mm-hmm. Last week after Comic Con, so we're already seeing think, something eventful and impactful, at, you know, as part of the new geek year. I I think this is Warner Brothers slash DC's tacit acknowledgement that they've gone about this less than the best way. Yeah, but back to our rant. Back to our rant. This online petition to have Rotten Tomatoes shut down because it, oh, it so unjustly criticizes DC movies. This is the epitome of everything that's wrong with fanhood in the modern age. Well, it's everything that's wrong in general. (laughs) Well, yes, but I'm I'm framing this in fan basis. Fan base, okay. Now, yeah. you want to expand that fan base out to anything else, go right ahead. Uh, we don't need to on this show. Okay. Um, now, what are we talking about? You, you want to you criticize the critics? Write the New York Times. Write the Hollywood Reporter. Write comic book resources. Comicbook.com. Superhero Hype. Crave Online. Ain't It Cool News, Bleeding Cool, L.A. Times, your local newspaper. That's where the that's where the low scores are coming from. Putting out this call to shut down Rotten Tomatoes 
it makes about as much sense as calling for the shutting down of the Wall Street Journal because you don't like a particular stock price. Yeah. In other words, it's stupid. And this, it, th- these fans who are going along with this, including the one that started it up, are either too ignorant to, to know or too lazy to find out, or both, that Rotten Tomatoes is not the one creating this bad review. Well, chances are they know. And they know that Rotten Tomatoes is the source of where people find out whether they're going to see a movie or not. I think that these particular fans are just too stupid to and, and too full of themselves that oh, Rotten Tomatoes is compiling everything and they're taking and they're giving this a score and it's a score of this. This is also another point. The, uh, it, another bone of contention that I have with the ones that support this this online petition. All right, get over it. Yeah. First of all, you're you're too thin skinned, you're too narrow minded, and you're too immature. Put on your big to tolerate to tolerate opinions that differ from yours. And that, unfortunately, is a common tactic and a, a common symptom in, in just about any fan group, right. regardless of, of part of life. It's like, all right, you have your own narrowly defined vision of what a franchise should be. Yeah. If anything dares to go outside of that vision, it must be shouted down. It must be marginalized, demonized, neutralized, cast off the island by any means necessary. But God forbid that your opinion may actually be a little wrong. But what what's this hurting? It's hurting the geek movement, the geek revolution, as I say over on Weeby Geeks. I mean, we've talked about this. Only recently, and I would say... Maybe with Iron Man, did the geek revolution movement really take off? Because we really didn't have a a, a strong Marvel film until Iron Man. And of course, Batman Begins. Not really, not. So, I mean, it was almost a dominated movie world by DC until Iron Man. Technically, about the only really successful movie with Marvel connections was Men in Black. Yeah. To that point. Uh, I think the first Blade as well. Okay, first Blade as well. Um, but but you're right. This does nothing but hurt the, the geekdom, for lack of a better term, geekdom overall. Because you know what it makes you look like? It makes you look like a bunch of whiny babies. Yep. If you want to be a whiny baby, there's a Twilight fan club for you. And then you could then you could be dressed in your glitter. That way you can sparkle in the daylight. Like Edward. And, then, and if, if you're one of the 20,000 people that have signed this petition, you're part of the problem. Yeah, you are. You are. Because... But, and, and this is another thing. This is the tired mantra of every fanboy who doesn't like something. Oh, I don't like it. I'm creating an online petition. That'll teach them. You, you know what? I don't like Twilight. 
I've been very adamant about that from day one. I mean, back when the old Weeby Geeks tagline used to be everything but chick flicks and Twilight. Because what do I mean by that? Twilight is its own category. It's not even justified to be in the chick flick category. But and we're saying, but just because you like it, you don't like it, does that mean that you must run out and put an online petition about it? No. 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 I actually, folks, movies, as long as there have been... If this is a movie you wanted to see, if you wanted to see Suicide Squad before Rotten Tomatoes put up that aggregate score, guess what? You're still going to go see it. And I do plan on seeing it. I would like to see it at some point as well. Now, Kevin Smith, big DC fan, big comic book fan in general, has given it praises. And he kind of panned Batman Heart Superman, so he's not afraid to tell it like it is. I mean, when there's video of him at something at a yoga hosers uh, Q and A after, and the guy criticized, you know, why did he put out that movie and talked about Kevin Smith literally gave the guy his money back. He goes, "Here's forty bucks. I got to give it back to you because I can't feel, I can't clear my conscience knowing that I took your money and you're this adamant about not liking it." Well, you know what? With any movie, there are going to be people that don't like it. This is this is where personal responsibility and personal accountability has broken down. Yep. You see a movie. You see trailers for a movie. You see posters for a movie. You hear news about a movie. You base your decision to go see that movie based on what the if you like the subject matter, in this case Suicide Squad, bunch of DC villains that are being used kind of like as a dirty dozen kind of thing. Okay. You've seen the trailers. You've heard the news. You know, no one is forcing you into this. Correct. Well, let's go with another example. Last year, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Everyone's, was that last year or two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Everyone's saying its praises. Oh, it's Marvel Star Wars. I didn't see it. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Star Wars to is me, why I'm in this business. To you, though. To me, it was not Star Wars of Mar- This was not Marvel's Star Wars. No. Star Wars of Star Wars. This, to me, was the Dirty Dozen in Space. Yeah. Now, a lot of people said, oh, that was the Marvel movie of 2014. Okay. I disagree. I think... St- I think Winter Soldier beat it out. Yeah. I mean, it was not Winter Soldier. This is another thing where I think Marvel is doing the right way about making movies. They're not making movies as comic book movies. Okay? They are using more, I guess we say, traditional movie style. Yeah. But with characters that appeared in the comics. Like Ant-Man. Ant-Man was an action comedy. Yeah. Was it not? It was. Okay. Winter Soldier was a political thriller. Yeah. Involving characters from a comic book. Okay. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. It was was a period. It was a period drama. Yeah. Guardians was not a comic book movie. It was not a superhero movie. 
it was a sci-fi adventure movie using characters from comic books. Right. And see, to me, Iron Man was like a a comic book James Bond. Almost. Type feel. So, I mean, here's the deal. What are we saying? To those of you pushing, shutting down Rotten Tomatoes, stop. You're hurting the cause. You're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing us. You're giving geeks a bad name. Help the cause. Don't hurt the cause. I don't... It's been a long time since I really trusted a movie critic's review of a movie. Yeah. I go by word of mouth. And I have argued with people at work about Batman Heart Superman. I'm finally getting around to seeing it. And I'm still pretty much right. To me, that movie's garbage. Okay. Here's... I do kind of look at Rotten Tomatoes, but the only time that I really trust it is when the number is really high or the number is really low. Because that tells me there's a consensus. Right. See, now, if something, if something is like you know, 40 to 70%, that's a mixed bag. Yeah. You've got people that liked it and people that hated it. I mean, prime, prime example, we, we talked about the Fantastic Flop, and it has a low critics rating. And it ran a full run. But yet, here's a but yet we joke and make fun of the fact that Jim and the Holograms, the studios pulled it after two weeks. The studios pulled it, and it has a higher critics rating than the Fantastic Flop. Come on, folks, that should tell you something. You don't trust the critics. You don't trust everything you read on the internet. Are you daring to say that not everything you see on the internet is true? Daring to say not everything on the internet is true. We read stories about Marvel news. We don't know. Most of these stories have been credited and sourced right. We're we're fairly confident to report on it, but it's still our opinion. We still put our opinion on that story. Mm-hmm. Such as, since we're really taking up a lot of time with this rant, Let, yeah. Let's 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 move on. We'll just say, put on the big boy panties, grow up, grab some thicker skin, and quit embarrassing everybody. Because if you want to embarrass yourself. Pipe the following really loud and start dancing. August 1st, 1986, Howard the Duck was released. And someone pointed out, is it coincidence then that August 1st, 2014 is when Guardians of the Galaxy appeared? With a Howard the Duck cameo in the back? Maybe. Maybe. But. Howard. Best. One of the best movies of the 80s. Says so at Walmart. I've got the pictures to prove it. And <laughs> Eric and Kylan have seen it. Yes. Um. Of course, Universal put this out. It was a Lucasfilm f- movie. 
Um, the marketing on this. I mean, <laughs> what can you say? The the book itself wasn't that old. It was only like 12 years old. Maybe. Mm. 74, I think, is when it came out. I don't think it was 76. I think it was 74. But still, uh, that's pretty quick for a Marvel franchise that had such new life be the first one to go to, to the big screen. You know why? No, I don't. Because because he wasn't a superhero. It wasn't a superhero. It was... I, it was more of a comedy. Yeah. So, um... Den of Geek put out this article talking about the weird marketing for Howard the Duck. And I take offense by to this one comment. Well, it's flirtation with bestiality aside. I think one of the main reasons Howard the Duck flopped when it was released back in August 1st, 1986, was that the marketing campaign was terrible. Okay, I don't think the movie flopped in 1986. The numbers, I mean, for what it, it made its money. What, what made it a flop? The story? The fact that a lot of people thought it was campy and cheesy? Well, it was meant to be. Have you ever read Howard the Duck? Have you not listened to me make the picks each week? I will counter your, your issues with Leah Thompson... Silk pajamas crawling across the bed. As a 15-year-old, that's right up there with Slave Leia. Not saying, but I'm saying. So, um, the, the, the bizarre teaser was that first came out with her cooing about wanting to do things with Howard. Um, yeah, probably not the best choice for a trailer. I, I'm thinking, I really do believe that the movie, it's the movie story and so much, I guess the, the emphasis on sex with a duck I think that right there kept it from doing better than it could have. Could be. I, I think Howard, even today, Howard's still a misunderstood character. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I hate to say it, but I think the the movie, the cast and the crew were some of the ones that misunderstood him. No, I I think they I think they all got the the character because to me I felt like I was reading the comic. I, I thought they got they captured a good vibe of the character, you know, for like the origin of how he came to this planet and everything else. I don't I don't think they misunderstood it. I'm talking about misunderstood it in the way that they tried to make sex such a big part of it. Yeah, they could have over 
they might have overdone the, the they, player they side over- of Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, is, go to YouTube, type in Howard the Duck trailer number one, and, and you'll see what we're talking about. Um, and then, so when you see the trailer, you're going to go, oh, okay, it's typical 80s teen, kinky teen comedy. Okay, maybe a little bit. Um, but what, what, one of the other things that I, I enjoyed was the second trailer that kind of tied it in with Indiana Jones. Kind of with that feel a little bit. Because um, they, they show the Breeders of the Lost Dork poster. I want mm-hmm. that poster. I want that poster. There you go. Um, so with the second trailer, um, we then see Howard is a three-foot-tall duck. Well, what do you expect? Um, you know, and the article just keeps talking. They oversex them. They oversex them. They oversex them. It's cigars and sex. So, like, yeah, but there was more to it than that. And then they started doing the duck calls. Do you remember these? Yes. Thankfully, I did not record any of these to be played on air. I should have. <laughs> I should have. But I didn't. Um... Uh, now, back in the day, you could have called nine one nine hundred. Yes, folks, you got charged for this call. Mm-hmm. I got in trouble for calling the space station on a one nine hundred number many, many times. Um, but you could have called one nine hundred four ten duck and listen to Howard tell you about the movie, its characters, and his adventures on Earth. And will have cost you a dollar ninety nine a minute. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of unhappy parents on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, there was a tie-in with Budweiser, the King of Beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it was named Howard's Drink of Choice on a special movie poster. Because all he wants is a good beer, a cigar, and one-way ticket home. Howard the Duck, coming this summer. And he's holding a Budweiser. Um, the music video. Of course, I mean, Thomas Dalby was involved in the soundtrack. And Thomas Dolby in the 80s, classic. Classic stuff. Uh, The soundtrack itself, I mean, Hunger City is a great song. I mean, the the songs that the band Cherry Bomb plays, Mm -hmm. and there's some great tunes. They're catchy tunes. Um, I think I gave you a copy of Hunger City for Sword of Yes, you did. You did. It's a great little song. I mean, it's a fun song. The soundtrack was awesome. I mean, I enjoyed it. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Um, so now we go looking back. I mean, it's thirty years. Thirty years. And there's a a demand for a Howard the Duck movie because of one little cameo at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Say, are we going to get another movie? 
If if we get one, I want James Gunn to do it. Yeah. But I I don't want that animatronic. Or CGI, whatever they used at the end of the Guardians. That was horrible. It was just horrible. Um, so yeah. Some weird marking. But what doesn't have weird marking? Especially from back then. Yeah. I mean, it's a totally different time and different world. So, Howard the Duck back then, I think, was PG. Now would be a PG-13. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of something that's not human. But this is a family show, so. Um, that's it for the movie side of things, to be honest with you. A slow week movie-wise. Yep. It's but, slow week movie-wise, but not TV-wise. Yeah. Uh, For one thing, uh, one of our favorites here on the show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, starts back on September 20th. And as I have said before, if you want to avoid... ABC shutting this down once and for all at the end of this season. Do not wait until they announce it and then run to change.org and put up a useless, pointless petition to get it back. Watch the darn show now. Yeah. The one thing that you will see when you tune in now, you will see a new director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And unfortunately, it is not going to be Agent May. Uh-huh. It is no longer Phil Coulson. Sharon Carter? It is not Sharon Carter. Uh-huh. It is, it is a gentleman by the name of Jason O'Mara. Uh, also, you may have seen him in Complications and Resident Evil Extinction. Now, all that we know about the character that he will be playing, aside from the fact that he is the new director... He has roots that, quote, go back into the 40s. Now, I have seen uh, Scorpio. I have seen Jim Hammond, which would be the original Human Torch. Uh, Phantom Rider and Clay Quartermain uh, bandied around for, you know, to, as to who this character is going to be. Um, the Human Torch, I don't see that happening because the original Human Torch was an android. Right. Although, we did say, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Radcliffe. He was just, he was about to fire up the first life model decoy that, we, that we've seen so far. Right. So if this is a life model decoy, that's a possibility. Uh, Clay Quartermain, to me, is probably the most likely Although he doesn't have roots that go back to the 40s. So I don't know how... Jim Hand was the Human Torch. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, roots going back to the 40s. Well, that he would go back to the 40s at that point. 
who who from Howling Commandos? Could they have just updated? You think maybe Dum Dum's son? Uh, Wait a minute. I usually do that. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm rubbing off. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if Peggy Carter had a son? That would be roots going back to the 40s. Yeah. I mean, we, we say, well, it could be this guy, could be this guy, could be this guy. What if it's a brand new guy? If he's if he is if he were to be Peggy's son, like Sharon's cousin, basically. Yeah. It could be. Now I'm still thinking I, I'm still thinking maybe Clay Quartermain. Because he was a very high level shield agent under right. Nick Fury. And they never uh, said who Peggy's husband was. Yeah. The only thing that was said about Peggy's husband was that he was one of the soldiers that Cap rescued in that first mission. When when he rescued the Howling Commandos. Yeah. He was there in that prison with them. So maybe but, he's not a Howling Commando. No, maybe he's the son of a Howling Commando. Could be. The the Scorpio theory, I'm not really buying. I'm not either. Or because Phantom Rider. Fa- no, not Phantom Rider either. Uh, Scorpio, for one thing, is Jacob Fury, Nick Fury's younger brother. So, yeah. Not, um, I- I'm not seeing it. Uh, fantastic flop. Unless he's an adopted, I get that. So I don't think no. I don't think this is. I don't think this is Jacob Fury. Right. So I don't know. I'm just. I'm going to go out on that limb, and I'm saying he is. He is probably Peggy Carter's son. Right. Well, that's. And I do have. I was able to find out the synopsis. For season four. Really? Yes. Okay. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns with a vengeance for the fourth exciting season in an all-new time period, Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, because of Death Slot. In the aftermath of their journey to another planet, director Phil Coulson and the rest of the team were driven more than ever to put an end to the Hydra organization. Little did they know that they were up against the deadliest threat they've ever faced, an extremely powerful inhuman known as Hive, who is transported back from Maveth in the body of their worst enemy, Grant Ward. The team was able to thwart and kill Hive and take down Hydra, but they are all still mourning the death of fellow agent and inhuman Lincoln Campbell. This part we knew. In light of the Sokovia Accords and with Hydra obliterated, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been legitimized again and no longer needs to operate in the shadows. Since the world presumes that Coulson is dead, the organization needed a new director, Jason O'Mara, to be the face of the organization. Coulson finds himself back in the role as an agent and teamed with Mac, and together they are tasked with tracking down and confirming the presence of enhanced people, also known as Inhumans. They have been trying to track down and capture Daisy, a.k.a. Quake, who has gone rogue in an attempt to atone for sins from the past. 
But with the world believing that Daisy is a dangerous outlaw who has taken down banks and bridges, the new director has no qualms about taking her down for good. Agent May is tasked with training specialist strike teams, and Fitz and Simmons have taken a big step forward in their relationship. Ooh, I wonder I wonder if he liked it so much he put a ring on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but with Simmons's new promotion as special advisor to the director in science and technology, Fitz, as well as her former team members, finds it hard to confine in or trust her since she's now the director's confidant. Also, Robbie Riez will roar into the lives of Agent Coulson and the team as a junkyard mechanic who can turn on a dime into the terrifying Ghost Rider, or at least the current Marvel Now version. Uh, will Robbie be a friend or foe to S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as the world itself? Meanwhile, Fitz discovers that socially awkward genius and friend Dr. Radcliffe has started pulling, putting the finishing touches on a new secret invention. Life model decoy, here we come. So there you go. That is what we can expect from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4. I was about to say Series 4, but we're not British. Uh, season 4, uh, which hopefully will not be the last season. Hopefully not. Well, just brief bit of news. Uh, Marvel. Marvel and Netflix came out and has said that Jessica Jones, Evil Season 3, 2018. Understandable. I mean, look how packed next year is going to be. Mm-hmm. Iron Fist, Defenders. Luke Cage. Well, Luke Cage is No, that's coming year. out. Yeah, this, this year. Never mind. So they've said they want to do two a year. Uh, but I think next year they're going to start doing three with Punisher. So, it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, very well could be. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's sad that we're gonna it's gonna take that long, but I mean, this is phase one of, of Netflix. Let's get the characters out. I mean, Daredevil's kind of that that Iron Man of of Netflix. So you could call him that. You could call him that. He's at, considering he was the very first one. Yeah, I can see that parallel. Yeah. So, um, so let's jump ahead. It's book club night tonight. It's um, we got last month's book club to do. We got this month's pick for everyone to be excited for. Um, and even before that, it's... And it's our picks of the week. And we apologize for technical glitches. The lair has been under attack from Hydra off and on. And Jarvis, uh, I don't know if, how well he's holding up. <laughs> so, um, Sounds like he's struggling right now. Yeah, it does. So, um, Eric, why don't you go ahead and start, start us off for this week. Okay, uh, my first pick of the week 
is Deadpool and the Mercs for Money number two. Story by Cullen Bunn. And let's see, what was this? This was not, yeah, number two. Story by Cullen Bunn, art by Eamon Coelho. And the Mercs for Money have taken down Negasite Teenage Warhead. But maybe that wasn't such a good thing to do. If they didn't like her vibes, well, wait till they take on Radioactive Man. Any relation to Particle Man? Well, what's he like? Oh, wait, it's not important. No. Um, <laughs> my first pick is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. number eight. Writer is Mark Guggenheim. Uh, penciler is German Peralta. Uh, Civil War II tie-in. Phil Coulson, H. Shield, no more. Coulson has chosen a side in his war. In this war, his own. The third faction begins here. You're not going to want to miss the seismic change issue. I would say a lot for Coulson to leave Shield, create his own side. Yeah, yeah. That that just basically tells me that neither side is all that likable. No. No. I, if you're caught in the middle and you have to start up your own your own faction, yeah, that especially if you're a guy like Colson, that right there says enough for me to want to pick this up. Yeah, yeah, I, um, this is going to be on my pick. Yeah, well, yeah. it is my pick. So, well, there you go. It's on my pull list too, so I should be getting it anyway. Uh, my second pick of the week is also a Civil War tie-in. Spider-Man 2099, number 13. Lucky number 13. Story by Peter David. Art by Will Sliney. Uh, 2099 is in peril, and Roberta Mendez, a.k.a. Captain America, has returned to the future to find her family. Little does she know that the heroes of the future are being hunted. Could this be the end of 2099? Okay. You know, this is getting frustrating. We rant. I think this is why we're having the issues. This Hyde heard us ranting, and they might be behind the Suicide Squad petition. Yeah, there you go. So you, you know how the baddies like to stick together. Well, of course. Um... My second pick is Darth Vader number 24, next to the final issue. Uh, writer is The penultimate Karen. issue. Writer is Karen Gillian. Penciler is Salvador LaRocca. Vader is lost in his inner mindscape, lost in visions of the Force. Is he truly more machine now than man, or can he fight his way back from the brink? Okay. My third pick of the week is kind of tying in to both my earlier picks. Kind of, maybe, sort of. Spider-Man and Deadpool number eight. Story by Joe Kelly. Art by Ed McGinnis and Mark Morales. Finally, Spider-Man and Deadpool are face-to-face with the person who has caused all the events of this series. Who is Patient Zero? This book has sold out and come back to printing, with number one being on its fifth. So don't sleep on this, true believers. Talk to your retailer so you aren't spoiled while you wait for a second print. Okay. Um, I'm liking this. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of the preview pages. 
uh, Spider-Man's getting kind of testy with Wade, and uh, we can understand that. Uh, he kind of likes it when when Spidey gets a little testy. He said, uh, uh, yes, I'm a little can't see you right. Um, sorry, force a habit. Please go back to being all Wolverine-y. <laughs> well, my final pick is all new, all different. Avengers Annual Number 1. Uh, writer is Writers, Faith Aaron Hicks, Mark Wade, G. Willow Wilson. Uh, penciler is Veronica Fish, who we have over on the Geeks. Uh, Faith Aaron Hicks and Mahmoud Asar. You dreamed of it, you asked for it, you longed for it, and now you're going to get it. <laughs> no Avenger is safe from the fan fiction of Kamala Khan. Featuring a of special guest creators. I, I've mentioned I'm not a, a big fan of this team, this this group. It's, it's not on my tops for an Avengers group. Mm-hmm. But I'll grab this book just for the creators. I mean, this oh, there you be, go. Yeah, this would be fun to see. It might so, be. Um, so yeah, our picks of the week. Um, should we just go right into? Marvel Unlimited, and give what will be the book club pick of the month? Well, we usually go through and talk about the previous one first, don't we? Then why don't we do that? Let's do that, then. Okay, Uh, the previous month's book of the month uh, was actually, it had a bonus issue. The actual pick of the month, the club of the month, was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Number 1, from 1990. Uh, written by Jim Valentino, who also did the pencils. Edited by Craterson, colorist Evelyn Stein, Ken Lopez was the letterer, Steve Mollinger, and Tom DeFalco was the editor-in-chief. Okay, synopsis for this issue. Uh, this is the first of the Quest for the Shield storyline, which is episodes, you know, issues one through six. Uh, you find the team, which is Nikki, Vance, Charlie, Yondu, Martinix, and Starhawk, uh, they are on the quest for Captain America's shield, which still exists supposedly in the 33rd century, or 31st century, excuse me. It's a thousand years in the future. And everybody is skeptical of does this even exist? But the thing is, every step of the way in their search for this shield, somebody has been one step ahead of them. Well, this time around, the planet that they're currently on is a planet called Korg, and it has technology that uh, seems out of place given the indigenous population. And you, they come face-to-face with a villain who really I thought was one of the lamest villains in recent history, Taserface. <laughs> Taserface. I am not making this name up. Uh, turns out he is a scout for a race called the Stark. Now, they're not out of Game of Thrones. Well, Hydra's gotten the best of us. We're going to do book club next week, uh, reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy number one. 
And the bonus pick for Book Club. Book of the Month for August is Star Wars Vader Down Number 1. When Darth Vader accidentally finds himself facing off against the Rebel fleet on his own, the Rebels will learn the true strength of the dark side of the Force. Once Vader... Once Vader crashes on a nearby planet, the Rebellion is willing to risk everything for this once-in-a-lifetime chance to take out one of the biggest enemies. Luke, Vader, Leia, Afra, Han, Chewie, and all the manner of droid, good and evil. So that's it. Um, again, we're going to cut our losses here. Uh, Hydra's getting the better of us uh, here at the lair. Defenses are down. Again, check out the contest we're running on the site. Um, the questions are there. Um, basically, it's who was the first interview us as the Intrepid Trio had, um, who was our guest for the 100th episode, and for the life of me, I can't remember the third question. Um, give me one second. Ah, uh, yes. Full description of where Mighty Marvel Geeks is recorded at. Um, so until next time, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. Thank you.